0: Amen. Amen. You know, this morning, if you have your scripture and want to open up, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, uh, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read a few verses there in a little bit. You know, um, I entitled this, this message, The Music of Christmas, and, um, you know, have you ever thought about how empty our Christmas celebrations would be without music, without music, I mean, you think about this, the air is literally bursting with music at Christmas time. It just so, so fills everything, and you know, the, you hear the pounding of a, of a tiny drum beats, and it reminds us of, of a song, the little drummer boy, or, or that kind of thing, and you know, harps, violins, organs, bells, they remind us of angelic songs. Uh, Even the Salvation Army, as you go and you do your shopping and things and and you hear that bell ringing um, uh, for the contributions to assist the needy, Um, church bells chime, calling people to worship, and sometimes handbells even remind us of of the songs of the season. And you know, Christmas has all kinds of music, uh, from Handel's Messiah to uh, Bach's uh, Magnificat to Vivaldi's Gloria. I mean, you have all of this wonderful music at Christmas time, and the music of Christmas that best uh, is best represented for most folks is what I want to call popular Christmas songs, um, like Jingle Bells or Winter Wonderland or um, you know, <laughs> Here Comes Santa Claus or even the Twelve Days of Christmas. The list is endless, though. I mean, you think about it, I'll Be Home for Christmas, Blue Christmas, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And all of those just kind of glide across the surface. I mean, we're just barely scratching the surface. And if I didn't mention your favorite, it's because there's so many. I mean, we we love Christmas songs. And for most of us, Christmas is best represented by the, the Christmas carols that we sing. Because they tell about the birth of our Christ. They tell about the birth of our Savior you know, when I was a kid, um, we used to stroll from, through the neighborhood from house to house. And we would, we would sing and knock on people's doors and take a step back. And then we would sing some of these Christmas carols. And, you know, it was amazing because we would go uh, to homes. We would go to nursing homes and go room to room. And, and sometimes, you know, church choirs would go to uh, shopping malls or uh, shopping centers or uh, they would sing even in churches, <laughs> uh, the choir would sing. Uh, but in many ways and places and in a great variety of voices, the beauty and wonder of Christmas is expressed for us in, in carols that we sing, carols like the first Noel, um, Silent Night. Silent Night. Away in a manger. I mean, all of these songs that, you know, oh little town of Bethlehem, we three kings, joy to the world, go tell it on the mountain. These are all songs that we understand and we know and we sing every year, and it helps us uh, celebrate the Christmas season because we know these songs and we sing these songs. You know, many Christians culturally believe that maybe the first Christmas carol. was was sung uh, through the angel's message of the good news to the shepherds. And I want want to look at what kind of insights we can gain from this passage. But let's let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 7, down through verse 14. And if you have your scripture and would follow along. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 7, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them do not be afraid for behold I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger Verse 13, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you, Father, that we can give glory to you Father, I thank you that you gave your son so that we could be reconciled to you, so that we could have your peace. And Father, I pray that you would convict our hearts this morning. Father, that you would guide us into all truth, that your Holy Spirit would, would, would take his words and, Father, convict our hearts. Show us what we need to know. Guide us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, on this second Sunday of Advent, we lit the peace candle. The candle of peace. And I want that to be a backdrop for everything that follows in this message is is peace. Okay? So while the Christmas story is saturated with the supernatural... Some of us miss the meaning because we just barely skim through this season, mostly superficial. We get caught up and tripped up in the tinsel and the garland. You know, in his book called Rumors of Another World, Philip Yancey, he writes that the Bible presents a view of reality that encompasses both a familiar visible world... And an invisible world that coexists on kind of a parallel um, universe. And we think about supernatural. We think about angels. Did you know that angels appear in more than half of the books of the Bible? And there are over 300 total references to angels in the Bible. Angels were created for a purpose. And they have three primary responsibilities. This is important. A lot of times people believe and they think that once a loved one goes to heaven that they become an angel. But angels are created beings just like we are created beings. And they were created for a purpose. They were created, number one, to magnify God. To adore the Father, to adore God. And I I think this is huge because Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. So their job is to adore, to magnify God. And according to Job 38 7, at creation it says, The morning stars sang together, and all the angels shouted for joy. All the angels shouted for joy. Can you imagine? They magnify God. Secondly, they're messengers of God. And the word angel in the Bible, as it's used in the Bible, literally means messenger. And their job is to do what God sends them to do. They are the messenger. Now, angel messengers basically convey one of two types of messages. The first one is when it's good news, like when they are proclaiming the, the, the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. That's great news, that's good news. They're announcing that. You know, the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels, the, the, the proclaiming angels sing, it says, captures the fact that the angels herald or they proclaim. Okay, the word herald means to proclaim. So it's like the guy that would get up and says, thus says the king, and he would have a big long list of things that the king wants everybody to know. Well, that's what they do. They proclaim. They're they're out there proclaiming the glory of God. And so they're the messengers of God. But when they come to bring bad news, it looks a little different. When they serve in that capacity, they're not the cute, cuddly cherub dolls like the ones we top our Christmas trees with. You know, it, it, it's not those kind Uh, Second Thessalonians 1 7 says this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. They're not just these soft cuddly little baby cherubs that we think they are powerful beings. The book of Revelation is full of avenging angels and it's anything but Pretty. They magnify God and they are messengers of God, but they also minister to people. Now think about this. In Hebrews 1.14, it puts it the best. It says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So they are here to serve those who will inherit salvation, according to Hebrews 1.14. See, most of the time, angels are not seen. They minister invisibly behind the scenes. And yet on occasion, they break into our world. Yet on occasion, we see where they are appearing for a short time to accomplish the purpose of God, and then they're gone. And we see that over and over and over in Scripture. You know, it's impossible to read the Christmas story without understanding a little bit about angels because it begins and it ends with them. You know, the Bible often mentions that when they do appear, they often look like human beings. Think about this. Hebrews 13, 2 says, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. So God coming to the earth in the flesh as baby Jesus is so incredible and so shaking, so earth-shattering that only the angels could be entrusted by God to carry that message to earth. (laughs) That's a pretty big message. That's a huge message. You see, no earthly channels of communication could be relied upon to get this amazing message out because no human person could possibly be persuasive enough. Do you hear what I'm saying? The preacher gets up and he preaches his heart out week after week and yet we move, we don't move. We, don't, we aren't moved to anything. But I guarantee you if an angel of the Lord that served in the courts of Almighty God were to stand here, every one of you would be scrambling to get underneath the pew that you are sitting on. There is no human being that is persuasive enough to move the hearts of men to carry the message of Jesus Christ is born today. He sent someone to get their attention. See, one interesting point to be made is that if you were to look in all of the major events of the Bible all of those different events that happen and occur in the Bible, there's no other occurrence that has as many messages from so many angelic messengers as the birth of Jesus Christ. See, Yancey refers to a concept called thin places, (laughs) where the natural and the supernatural, they come together at their narrowest points with only a thin veil between them, And what happens is you've got this thin veil between the supernatural and the natural. And so what happens is every once in a while, the supernatural bumps in through the veil. And we see. As we read the Christmas story, there's so many of these thin places. Particularly when messengers take, you know, from the angelic world, they make an appearance into our world. When the silent night broke over Bethlehem. It was broken by the angel's message and the shepherds were most definitely afraid it said they were terribly frightened they were definitely afraid they didn't send god didn't send another shepherd to tell them to go to bethlehem you know why because they'd have probably said yeah yeah we know We know Malachi and we know Joseph. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. Just like we do every day. But he sent an angel, a messenger for that. And the first words that these shepherds heard from the angel were, Do not. Do not be afraid. (laughs) Oh, it's a fearsome sight. But he says, don't be afraid. See, we are not all that different today. We all live with fears. Fears without and fears within. We all live with fear. The message to the shepherds was do not be afraid. And later on, Jesus also constantly had those words, fear not, on his lips. He told his disciples, do not be afraid, little flock. He told that before he sent them out. And even during the last meal, with his disciples in the upper room, Jesus said to them in John 14, verse 27, He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. See, down through the ages, down through the centuries, Christians have experienced an inner sense of calm that comes from the presence of Jesus Christ, which has enabled us to face life's most difficult times. That inner peace that comes from the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And the message for us today is do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. You have everything you need. You have Jesus Christ. See, the second part of this angelic message is a word of joy. I mean, all of Israel, think about this. In verse 10, it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ, who is the anointed one, who is Messiah, the Lord. I love that. All of Israel had waited longingly for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for the Messiah to come and to free them, to set them free from the the Romans, to set them free from from all of those things. And news of this birth would have certainly brought about a sense of joy (laughs) who is the Christ, who is the anointed one, who is Messiah. But the joy Jesus brought was not based on political or military power see this joy would be experienced by god's reigning presence in every believer's heart i think that's huge see we need to understand something today happiness and joy are not the same thing for christians Happiness and joy are not the same thing for Christians. Our happiness mostly depends upon our external factors. The the clothing, the the food, the the circumstances that surround our our daily life. And we get wrapped up in that. You know, our our experiences. If everything goes just right, then we will be happy. But if something throws us off, then we're not going to be happy. Something can can cause the whole thing to crumble. But Christian joy does not depend on our external circumstances. See, regardless of our personal situation, regardless, regardless of the person or that situation, each Christian can have the inner joy that comes from God's presence with us. This is big because no one can take it away. No matter what they're doing, they cannot take away your joy. This inner joy rises above our circumstances. And notice how the the angels continued their message in in verse 11. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. (laughs) They were joyous because of God's presence. When we have God's presence with us, it brings joy. We get giddy about it. We we we, we laugh, and it, it just kind of overflows. But it's because of God's presence. A Savior was born that night, and the shepherds. It was their Savior. He is our Savior. It is Jesus Christ, the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. Oh man! I mean, the Jewish people they had they had anticipated Messiah literally for hundreds of years. But listen, God did not send his message (laughs) to the rabbis who were down there studying at their desks. He didn't send it to the priests who were working in the temple. He sent it to ordinary shepherds who were tending their sheep. And he brought these common people the good news that the anointed one, Messiah, Had just been born. I mean, what a a wonderful thing. Their Savior was born. I imagine their hearts were just delighted and giddy just from the words. You know, they've been waiting all this time. They've been hearing about the Messiah, that, that one day Messiah would come. And now the angel of the Lord is standing before them declaring that this child has been born who is the Messiah. The Savior would free them in a way they'd never, been, they'd never dreamed possible. He would free them from their sins. The angel suddenly was joined by a great multitude of the heavenly hosts in verse 13 and 14. Praising God and saying. Now, I want to read those two verses and just follow along with me and just let the, the text speak. And suddenly... There appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. (laughs) I just need to pull over and park here for just a moment. Now, this may mess with your cultural tradition of angels singing at Christ's birth. But notice the proclamation. It says right here, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying. It doesn't say singing, it says saying. Notice the proclamation. Now, many Christians associate praise with singing. We call it praise and worship. We call it praise music. Biblically, and we do want to be biblical, we give glory to God by what we proclaim. The words that come out of our mouth is what we are proclaiming. Listen, the words of the songs... The songs, the words that we see on the screen, the words that we say together is what we are proclaiming. The fruit of our lips, that which we sing is more important than the music, the rhythm or the beat of the song. The words are what we are proclaiming and it doesn't matter if you sing good or if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, it's the words that we are proclaiming together about how good our God is. That is the proclamation, that is the praise. We are proclaiming that and we are worshiping our God together. That's what we see here. The angels showed up and they began proclaiming glory to God in the highest. See, this first doxology of uh, verse 14 is is the first doxology recorded in, in the Gospels. But notice the angels proclaimed, first and foremost, the glory of God. Not salvation, not redemption, but the glory of God. First and foremost. Glory to God in the highest. And my point is this, is that when we worship, the the adoration precedes the gratitude, The angels called the shepherds to give glory to God. (laughs) You know, I imagine they were already on their knees because they were terribly frightened. Who could stand before those who serve in the courts of Almighty God? You know, you think about that. When adoration and worship become a necessity for us, our own awareness of our need for salvation begins. When we see God in all of his glory and we begin to give him glory, then we begin to catch a glimpse of how sinful a being we are because we catch a glimpse of his holiness. And this adoration precedes gratitude. Our first acknowledgement is to, to God is to honor, to respect and reverence him. And we kneel with all the angels in reverence before the creator. He created them, he created us. He spoke it all into being. The angel also proclaimed in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. See, the peace offered to us by the angel comes from Christ, the Prince of Peace. He's the one who brings peace to us. You think about this. This peace cannot be taken away. See, once we have peace with God, once we have peace with God, then we have the peace of God. And no one can take that away. Because we have made our peace with God, because we have accepted his son. We have peace with God. And so therefore we have the peace of God. And it's always in that order. We have to have peace with God in order to have the peace of God. But it's his peace that gives us security. It is his peace that gives us comfort. And on the evening of his impending death, surrounded by his frightened disciples, Jesus said this in John 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. (laughs) I love that. He gives us his peace. And this Christian peace that I'm talking about, this inner security comes to us as a gift from Jesus Christ. It is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. It surpasses all understanding and nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. When we are in his peace. See, this peace begins with this inner peace. And I just want to share this. I'm almost done. This inner peace that we have because we have peace with God. When we have this inner peace, when things in our core are at peace, it allows us to share that peace with those around us. Here's the problem. We are not at peace in our core Because we have not made our peace with God. So what happens is all of our lives, everything in our lives is is chaos and it's just turmoil and it's all around us. And the, the reason that we can remain calm in the midst of a storm, the reason that we can remain calm when things are going on all around us is because we have peace with God that gives us the peace of God. And we can stand and we can be secure and comforted in that And what happens is when we have peace, then we spread that peace to others and to those around us. You've met people, and so have I, where it seemed like nothing in their life was at peace. And the reason is, is because they don't have peace with God. Notice the angels proclaimed the Prince of Peace. And Jesus has come to give us peace so that we can share that peace with others. And one of the ways that we do this... (laughs) is learning to be people of goodwill. Let me give you some application. Learn to be a person of goodwill. Think the best in others. Don't be skeptical. Be a person of goodwill. Unless they give you reason to doubt their character, assume they have good character. A lot of times people will live up to what we see in them. You know, I think about this because being people of goodwill will not be easy. It takes effort. And like peace, we must pursue it. We have to be people of goodwill. And as I finish up, you know, at the heart of Christmas is a gift that was proclaimed, heralded by the angels. It's a gift that was proclaimed. It is the present that must be received. It is a gift that must be opened. And the best news in the world is that a Savior is born for us in Jesus Christ. That's the best news we could ever hear, is that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. But understand that the good news about Christ, the Savior, requires a personal response. It's one thing to say, oh, here is a gift. It's another thing to say, this is my gift. It's one thing to say, that's a shepherd. It's another thing to say, he's my shepherd. You see, possessing that. Somebody ain't got no peace. (laughs) Possessing that gift is so important. When God reveals Christ to your soul, you have to respond with eyes of faith. I mean, Jesus may not be the kind of Savior that you expected, your thoughts about the Savior might not, be, might not have included him being born in a cattle stall or even going and being crucified on a cross. But he did that for us. He did that so that we could believe in him. And Jesus is God's son and he is our Savior. And you have to personally, you have to personally believe in him and place your trust in him. Just what Robin was saying. It wasn't until God said, I got you. She put her, all of her trust in him that he would bring the outcome that he desired. I think this is huge because as I think about this, if you've never confessed Jesus as your Savior, if you've never confessed him as your Lord, you need to do that today. You need to do that today. One last thing, and I'll be done, I promise. After the great things, the crazy things, the amazing things that these shepherds saw, they went back to their routine job that they did before. You know, they didn't set up any tours of Bethlehem. You know, they didn't set up a seminar on how to entertain angels. They went back to their day jobs, praising God For his abundant grace to them. Listen, God doesn't call us to be spectacular. He doesn't call us to be flashy or constantly exciting in life. God calls us to believe in his son, his savior, our savior. And then he sends us back into the routine world to learn how to rejoice in him. And in his grace and in his great salvation day in and day out. Just to be an ordinary Joe doing what you do. And praising God for the grace that he has given you. See when God has taken you from the darkness of your sin. And by his grace revealed his savior to your soul. Your heart will be filled with praise and joy. See, those who have heard God's good news, they respond with faith, they respond with proclamation, with praise, and with peace. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. And Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to work in each of our hearts, revealing to us what you desire. And Father, that you would make a way for each one of us to come to know Jesus in a very personal way. And Father, if we've never responded to him, if we've never received the gift that you have for us, I pray, Father, that today would be our day of salvation. I pray, Father, that today your Holy Spirit would draw us to yourself. Father, I pray that you would burn your words, your desire upon our hearts. Father, that we would not make it about us, but Father, that we would recognize what a great and mighty God you are. How holy you are, what you have done in Jesus Christ for each one of us. And Father, that we would acknowledge your Son. Father, that we would come before you in humility, just bowing before you and saying, Father, thank you. Glory to you, God, for what you have done for this sinner. Father, you took me out of a helpless situation. You gave me hope. You gave me your son. You gave me the prince of peace so that I could share that peace with others. Father, I pray that you would just guide our time. I pray that you would fill us with your peace. That you would just help us to be Obedient to all that you ask of us. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your great sacrifice. Guide us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.